This week on the podcast, we talk about the very powerful text messaging platform called Twilio and their .org program. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to be discussing different ideas and tactics around text messaging, aka SMS, a short messaging system. There's a good amount of jargon I want to make sure that I just clear up up front. Uh, we use the word API quite a bit in here, and as you remember, from other programs, it's an application program interface. Basically, anytime we say API, I want you to think, okay, it lets two computers talk to each other, two servers sending messages through encrypted means that are already pre-programmed, so things are taken care of behind the scenes, making it easier for developers to make cool things happen. So a good API means there's good documentation around how you're letting two servers talk to each other. That's all that is. This 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 guest is just awesome, frankly, and we're talking to Megan Nesbitt at Twilio.org, so it's the nonprofit part of this uh, massive organization called Twilio. You know, their their joke is they literally have advertisements on the side of the highway. Talk to your developer, and that's all it says. And, and it's really the plumbing behind most of the SMS messaging going on uh, right now. So. With that, you're going to get some ideas. Don't be scared off by the tech. It's super doable. I just want you thinking about the different potential applications of this tool for your organization. I'm here with none other than Megan Nesbitt, the Director of Nonprofit Development at Twilio.org. How's it going, Megan? Hey, George, it's going great. Well, first off, I feel like our uh, our guests may need a little background on what a Twilio is, where does it grow, and how do I find one? <laughs> <laughs> I can't resist. I can't help myself. Uh, what is a Twilio? Uh, so Twilio is a, it's a communications platform. So a communications platform with APIs that developers use to embed communications into their workflows. Uh, most people have probably used Twilio in some way or another. They just didn't know it. Um, so, George, have you ever taken a, a Lyft or an Uber? I take Lyfts. Yes, we do. We had Lyft on our podcast. We're big supporters. Awesome. So when your Lyft driver shows up, um, have you ever had a message pop up on your phone letting you know that your driver's there? Yeah, it's like, hey, dope, get outside. You're late. <laughs> That's you? Maybe you personally That's... are sending me those messages? Well, not me. That's the power of an API. So Lyft built that communication flow for you to be able to uh, have that text message notify you when your driver's outside. Or if you want to call your driver, so you're trying to figure out which Prius you should get into, uh, and you, you click the button to call your driver, but the driver doesn't see your phone number, um, your privacy is protected, the driver's phone number is protected, but you're able to instantaneously connect. Uh, that's another example of, of Twilio uh, and the, the APIs being used to have the communication directly in the Lyft app. Yeah, so can you give us an idea for, the, for our listeners that are wondering, like, 
how big is Twilio? Like, how do you measure how big it is? Because sometimes you can be like, oh, yeah, it's another one of these startups that I don't have to know about. How big are you all over there? Um, you mean, like, by waist size? I think, uh, well, you're never supposed to ask weight. So <laughs> let's go by, like, how many text messages, broadly speaking, has, has Twilio been a part of since its founding uh, a number of years ago, right? Uh, yeah, we're actually uh, very, very right upon our 10-year anniversary. Uh, so Twilio is billions of, of messages, but also voice calls. Uh, you can do video chat with Twilio. Uh, so Twilio is a publicly traded company. Um, I think our employees are somewhere around 1,500 employees. We serve tens of thousands of customers all over the world. Uh, and I work on the, the .org team, and we currently serve about 2,500 nonprofits all over the world as well. So in short, in my, my, my estimate here is like, if you're ever going to build something with text messaging and soon other, other platforms, basically when you go to a developer and say, hey, I need this built, they're just immediately going to Twilio. This is the plumbing you use for that type of communication. This is the plumbing that major companies use for getting messages from A to B uh, across certainly SMS and growing other channels such as Messenger. Uh, and then even uh, recently with, with emails, purchase of SendGrid. Twilio is amazing. They're a great company, but this is not about the tech side. Um, unless, Megan, you want to correct me on my uh, short summary. Your short summer is great. Winner, winner. Now, here's what I love. They're so big, they created a .org. So this is not Twilio.com. This is Twilio.org. Now, Megan, can you walk us through how you became the director of nonprofit development at you know, a company that's just you know, uh, enabling a back end? So about three years ago, uh, I was in another organization, Change.org, uh, when I first learned about Twilio. And I have never been so excited about the potential of a technology to be used for social impact use cases. So Twilio, Twilio as a company created Twilio.org, uh, and they took the 1% pledge uh, several years back. Uh, and the 1% pledge, for folks who aren't familiar, is the pledge some companies are doing where they, they pledge 1% of their equity um, and other resources towards social impact. Uh, Twilio took that pledge to put 1% of the company's equity towards social impact, but they also wanted to bring the other company's resources and assets to bear. So there's the impact access program, ensuring that any registered nonprofit can get access to the Twilio platform, the same platform that large and small companies use all, all around the world, that nonprofits can access that, that same platform on accredited and discounted basis. Uh, and when I thought about what nonprofits would be able to use if they were building the kind of communication solutions that they uniquely need to serve their communi communities, that we could be driving impact and change at a scale that, that I hadn't been a part of before. So I, I jumped at the chance to, to join Twilio and to lead how our product gets into the nonprofit market. Yeah, and we'll jump into how you know, companies can do good, but I love the instinct here is like, wait a minute, we've got one of the more tremendous platforms for communication. It would be silly for us just to write a check and send it over the fence 
and then not bring that to bear. So internally, I would love to walk through each of these, these programs a little bit. You know, you mentioned the access program, which is saying, hey, here's the platform. Here are some credits. Go, you know, go break some things. Go have some fun uh, and, and do it on our dime, so to speak. Can you also talk through the, uh, the impact fund and impact core? Yeah, so the, the impact access program where we give organizations the, the credit and discount so they can jump into Twilio and start building to their heart's content, that's kind of the foundational level. If On top of that, we also um, we have a huge community of developers. Uh, if you talk to most software engineers and developers they'll and you ask them, hey, have you ever used Twilio? Most of, most of them are already using Twilio. So through the impact core, one of the things we look at doing is connecting developers from within Twilio as well as our larger community outside of Twilio and connecting those developers directly with nonprofits working on projects or uh, initiatives that, that are interesting for the developer as well. So that really helps organizations get additional technical expertise on a pro bono volunteer basis. On top of that, uh, like I said, we did take that 1% equity pledge, so we're giving dollars back to the community as well. You know, you can give you can give organizations technology, and we can give technical expertise, and in some cases, we also go deeper and start writing checks. So in 2019, we'll likely cross somewhere between 1.5 and 1.7 million dollars in donations to try to support organizations that are using communications as a way of solving social and environmental problems. I really love that last piece as well, uh, not just because it sends money into the, the sector, but it does it with an eye toward development. It does it in a way that simply acknowledges that technology isn't free. Even when it's free, it's not free because a human has to maintain it, has to monitor it, has to set it up, and even after setup, hey, what happens if we succeed and a bunch of people start texting us? Who's gonna answer that? So it, it kind of takes that, uh, takes that ecosystem into account, which I love because it was thoughtfully done, it seems. Yeah, I think um, I've, I've been in this space with different technology companies providing access for organizations. And I think one of the things I'm really aware of is uh, I think the, the biggest F word is the word free. I don't think there's such a thing. There's, there's no such thing as free technology. There's no such thing as free time. Um, these are, all of it is investment. Uh, and we need to be really thoughtful. Just, and, and it's not just about technology or just about time or even money. It has to be kind of, you gotta think about it as, as a combination of those things. Um, yeah, that's, I, I'm very paranoid of the word free. Did you just drop an F-bomb on our show? <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Fuck so. No, okay. Now we're safe. <laughs> Perfect. So when we, when we get into this, I, I think, you know, this in summary, like this is the platform that you go to. The question is, I think it's, it's like a run, like run sprint level when a nonprofit is at the level of sending text messages unless they're built from the core. So we've had crisis text line on our show before talking about how they send, you know, millions and millions of messages to support people in crisis. Very clearly SMS first, but how, you know, what are some of the clever things you see out there? Uh, new innovative ways of using uh, text. Give our listeners some ideas. Yeah. And 
And I want to say, like, with the, one of the nice things with Twilio is because you can plug in SMS or you can plug in uh, voice or you can plug in different communication channels as well. So one of the things that I really love is when an organization has thought through things and has figured out a way to channel hop. Um, so for an example, imagine you want to get, uh, there, there's some, a bill coming before Congress and you really want people out there to be contacting their representatives. Um, potentially you reach out to your, your, the people you know, the constituents in that area and you want them to uh, call their representative and you send an email and, and unfortunately you're, you're, maybe your email isn't read or it gets into somebody's spam filter. What if you could text somebody and say, hey, you want to, um, can you call your representative? And somebody could see that text message because they're going to open a text message typically within three minutes is the pretty standard way that most of us interact with text. And then they can click on a link and immediately get connected directly to their representative. So it's a channel hop, right? Um, so I think some of those use cases are, are pretty exciting. Um, the thing that I personally like about SMS is in the, the nonprofit tech scene, I feel like there was a time where everybody was trying to build an app, right? Um, and an app for your phone. And that's great, especially for people who have smartphones. Uh, but let's not forget about a lot of the people who maybe, maybe they have a smartphone, they don't have a data plan associated with it. Or there's a lot of people out there with just feature phones, right? <laughs> the main things they can do is call and text. They can't tell you where to find a restaurant. Um, and one of the things I like about SMS as a channel is it, it doesn't, it kind of reaches people on all sides of the digital divide. Uh, and it's one of the most scalable way to reach people regardless of what the latest phone is they have. Um, it's a, it's a ubiquitous channel. So for people to be able to, like the crisis text line example, one of the things I love about crisis text line is they start by listening. Right, they are just there and listening. So if somebody is in crisis, they can text in, and there's someone there to listen and to engage. Um, just that part, I think, in the nonprofit sector, is really important. Nonprofits have adopted technology really well to do broadcast messaging. We figured out how to do broadcast on email. We figured out how to broadcast on snail mail in different ways. We're, um, but when it comes to engaging and interacting and listening I think there's a lot that can be done uh, there's a lot that can be done on on that front so even if it's um, okay you're using SMS and you're starting that SMS to send out a message but then asking someone for information back so think about use cases for measurement of like data measurement and evaluation where you could do really quick bits of information gathering by sending someone an SMS and getting some information back for them. So a program that's supporting an expectant mother um, who is in a demographic or an area where she's at risk of potentially missing some really important steps leading up to, uh, leading up to the, um, throughout the pregnancy. You can engage with that person in a two-way SMS conversation, uh, which doesn't matter if she's got an app on her phone. Um, you you can do that that full engagement and it, and you're not just like blasting information out. So all of this sounds well and good, Megan, but don't I need somebody sitting there on a computer replying to all these tests that I send out? Isn't that like a huge cost of time? Well, I mean, you you could choose to do it that way. I think again, one of the the powers of 
of an API and taking an API approach is you can programmatically connect some of this information. Uh, so one of the products that Twilio came out with in the past year that I was most excited by is this, uh, it's kind of like a bot builder, it's called Studio. And it's a, it's a visual editor. So imagine if you could get on a whiteboard and write out uh, a series of back and forth conversation where you might be collecting information from somebody. You can programmatically create that. You can, you can say if the answer, almost like a, an IVR, right? An interactive voice response system. So if it's over the phone or over text, um, if the person says one, or if the, if the person replies with, uh, this bit of information, then we send them this bit of information back. So you can you can do a combination of automated logic to collect a lot of information, and also to to branch a conversation one way the one way or the other. And then you again because this is all API driven, you might be looking into a different data source to feed back the relevant content for that specific person or for that specific point in the conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I don't need to sit there and say, okay, for texting, you know, text for baby type of services where I'm trying to teach a mom over the course of nine months, I don't have to worry about logging in four and a half months and saying, hey, your child's the size of a tennis ball right now. I can have programmed that in and a predetermined text based on when they opted in. That's exactly right. So you could have a, an entire curriculum with different time-based attributes to it where you're sending off messages based on hitting that, that specific time. Alrighty, so I'm going to try something. It may not work because, you know what, it's my show. We can do this. Uh, so are you ready to play a quick game that I just made up two seconds ago? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this game is called An Idea Off. So we've mentioned a couple use cases, but I really, for the sake of brainstorming, for the sake of people listening, and I'll give you a moment to like scramble and come up with different ideas. We're just going to go back and forth with rapid fire, different applications we've seen or would love to see for SMS for good. And these are things that may have been built, may not have been built. Uh, but we're going to go back and forth because I want to really give listeners more ideas. I'm born from the, the world of back in the day of do something.org where we had sent you know, a billion text messages for good with many different calls to action, getting young people engaged uh, over the medium, which was tremendous. And you know, Crisis Text Line was born from that when we saw how many responses were there. Uh, so that is, that is our, our quick kickoff. So Megan, what is your, what is your first, uh, first volley? Can we just pause for a second and say that dosomething.org also built with Twilio they registered 150,000 young people to vote in the past 2018 election. And the volley is off. Registering people to vote, 150 plus thousand people through do something. All right. On my side, I, I will say a donor organ registration. Uh, we've done some hypothetical tests on this and done it actually at a live event where people opted in via text, gave in information, and then followed up to register organ, as organ donors through Donate Life America. Back to you, Megan. That is an awesome idea. Uh, sticking on the donor side, I would love to see an organization using MMS incorporating photos into their uh, donor communication. So you can imagine if, if I'm a donor to an organization and I've donated $500 and that helped send a bunch of medical kits to somebody in the Congo, 
I would love when that shipment gets to the Congo for the person to take a photo of the shipment being received and send it directly back and have that routed directly back to the donor. Well volleyed. Next up. This is actually a case from ACE Climate Change, and they're doing in-school education. So if you're running any in-school ed programs or after-school ed programs, group students coming in with different facilitators or volunteers, what they did is created an SMS survey given to the people pre and post saying how much did you learn, and then they can grade the different volunteers in different regions based on those surveys when they aggregate all of that information back up. Back to you. That's a good one. <laughs> um, SMS, I love uh, the idea of people when they have large events, uh, allowing people to text in and having it instantly displayed on how they, uh, something they want to see from the organization. So uh, crowdsourcing ideas on, on ways an organization might be able to do more environmental education kind of thing. I will go with one that I'm currently trying to build, which is a uh, poetry builder where you give in and answer questions really quickly, and then we put together a poem based on a framework just to inspire people to create uh, poetry. I currently have that in beta. It is uh, still a little broken because my knowledge of poetry is poor. Um, okay, SMS incident reporting. So if there are specific things that you want to be able to report on happening, happening in a community, maybe it is crime, uh, whatever it may be, incident reporting so people can SMS into a specific number and, and file a case with a, an incident so we can get ideas of where they may be hot spots of activities for a certain kind of behavior we want to um, intervene on. So this idea has been done in different ways, but via apps, uh, but it's basically about reporting, uh, you know, potholes or city issues or trash on the street and by location. You can do uh, that texted in via MMS. You could then also use, just to be crazy, Google machine learning to identify what that thing is and put that in a database. Dope. I think, and that's where the things get really exciting, right, is when you're using SMS as a method for collecting information that you're going to be pointing at different databases or at different tools, whether it's machine learning, AI, uh, to be able to get richer information back. So there's, this is not an idea. This, some guy just did this. There, there were recently these huge fires in Northern California, uh, and the air quality in the Bay Area is just atrocious. Uh, and there was a website that you could go to called uh, airnow.gov, where you could click and see a, 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 the map with an index of what your air quality was. But the air quality was so bad, everybody kept going to the website and it was crashing. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy built this really cool um, SMS app with Twilio where you could text in your zip code to a phone number and it pinged the database that was behind the map and it would text you back what your air quality was for your zip code with what that image would look like. So it didn't put the strain on the actual front end of the website. You could still get the information you want. Um, so that idea of using SMS as a way to access whatever information you need when you need it um, versus going to sites that might have some stability issues, I think is a very cool way of getting information out to folks, especially folks that might not have Internet in their home 
um, or, or SMS is the best way for them to get information. Yeah, I love zip code lookup systems. They're so elegant, quickly done, and relevant to people in the field. And also, you can put those in the field very, very quickly on a, on a single sign and work well at large events where people in mass may not have, for example, great data access. So, you know, at sporting events or pieces like that, uh, those can be great, great, great tools. Uh, that's a, that's a really good call. The use incorporating SMS for offline events where you've got lots of people so they can sign up to learn more information. They can get more information on a specific thing right when they're there. Um, I think that's a, a really good use case that could be really easily adopted in a lot with a lot more organizations. One quick one from my friends at Kinvolved. Uh, they use SMS for uh, alerting parents when students don't check in uh, on time. So parents are getting these notifications and attendance is actually one of the leaders in sort of pausing and hurting uh, child development because of the, the time on task at schools. And so they've been showing with those SMS alerts for students uh, uh, numbers around at least 5% improvement in, uh, in attendance, which is, uh, which is important because if you're not there, you can't learn. And Convolved is another Twilio partner. <laughs> I'm just stealing all of the, the backyard pieces there. Uh, hopefully no, people are great. getting it, right? Yeah. Hopefully people are getting it. You can use it for, you know, for messaging, both creative and lookup and functional. Yeah, it's just it's just a great opportunity to engage with folks. And and the thing that's exciting is is when you think of the people you're you're seeking to serve. Um, information that you might want to get out to them or information you want to make accessible to them. It's just a really great channel because it's so, it, so many people have access to it. They don't need to learn how to text, right? People, everybody knows how to text. Yeah, and because, gosh, it kills me, but I know people listening to be like, wait a minute, how do I use this tool to fundraise? <laughs> and like, and, uh, you, you know, can. You can you, do it. Please don't think about it just as a fundraising tool, but you can. I think well, I think that's one of the things that's just interesting in the nonprofit sector. So often when we think of technology, we, we think of it in terms of how it's been marketed and sold to us, which is primarily for fundraising. Um, and yes, using technology in fundraising makes a ton of sense. And using technology in our programs is massively important. Um, I was talking with, with Path the other day. Uh, what's what's a path? Path Path is a large humanitarian organization. Uh, they operate in uh, over seventy countries currently in some of the world's you know toughest environments. Um, they're they're running they're doing this incredible work in Zambia right now uh, on a project project to eliminate malaria all across Zambia. And one of the most important things in in eliminating malaria is making sure you have accurate data collection happening across the country. And they are just so impressive in the various tools they're using for data collection, data visualization. They have these incredible dashboards that they put together with Tableau. Uh, Tableau is a great program for nonprofits as well. Uh, but they, they have these incredible data visualizations of where there have been incidents reported, um, what what has happened in different communities for spraying against malaria, incredible stuff, but it's just entirely dependent on getting data back from the field, uh, which was a big problem for them. You know, like a community health worker might be working in a very rural area in Zambia, and it's difficult to get those reports and that data back from the field. 
So they started experimenting just with sending an SMS reminder to the community health workers who hadn't sent the reports in, and they saw an 80% uptake in the, re in the reports and the data coming back in. Uh, so just these really simple interventions happening in the field that is completely changing their ability to address something as difficult and something as ambitious as eradicating malaria across all of Zambia. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty tremendous, but it, that gets back into the functional use case. We just had um, New York Cares on, and they talked about how they just added a uh, you know text coat as an extra way for New Yorkers to donate coats, but just give 20 bucks, which covers a brand new coat. And the, the sort of itemization and the tactile nature of it, and they just put it out there, uh, actually helped them raise a significant amount uh, more coats uh, last season. So, you know, if you can use it in an intelligent way, and the text flows straightforward, you text in, you get a message back, and it says, hey, here's our donation link, you click, then you go. Uh, you can also do other, you know, lead acquisition things, such as reply with your email or, or information and store it. And, you know, anything you can imagine doing, which is why we're going through these ideas, uh, can absolutely be done and can be done wherein you invest up front in the thinking and the the structure of the flows and it's like drag and drop and then you sort of like advertise it you put it out there in the world and give it to your volunteers and and see what happens yeah it's uh it's pretty amazing there's been some work done by uh, the Wanga Foundation in helping our elected representatives use communications in a more effective way. Uh, and they were working with one representative from Arkansas, and he has actually switched out his business card. So it's just a phone number with it saying, text me on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally wants to get communications from people via text because it's easier for, for his office to be able to process them, get reply to people, categorize them, understand the issues. But it's just a really scalable way uh, for his office to receive communications. Well, I love it. I, I think uh, we could continue on in this vein, but we've given you a lot of great ideas. Uh, are there resources online at Toilet.org that people can go and browse through just to get the get the juices flowing? Yeah, I would say uh, for any nonprofits out there that are just thinking if this might be a, something to look at, head over to Twilio.org. Uh, there's some nonprofit-specific examples and use cases that range from using Twilio in your programs through using Twilio for fundraising, volunteer engagement, advocacy, you name it. Uh, but that's also the place where you would go to apply for the Impact Access Program. And the cool thing with the Impact Access Program is you, you fill out a quick form, you indicate that you are a nonprofit with all your fun charitable status documentation. And when we get that Kickstart credit into your Twilio account, if you were using Twilio, let's say for SMS, for some of the use cases we've been talking about, uh, that Kickstart credit is going to cover you for over 85,000 messages alone. Uh, so you can really start testing and iterating on what are the flows that work for my organization. I agree with you, George. The the technology is one part of it. The strategy is the, <laughs> that's the big part. Uh, 
right? Like if, if you're sending a text to somebody's phone, you gotta be real thoughtful of what, what is the information that you're sharing? Uh, and do they know who you are? Have they asked to receive this communication? So, Yeah, actually let's pause on that because I, I have that in my notes here. Uh, commonly asked question is, wait a minute, can you know I just start texting anybody in my database? What are the rules in terms of sending to one person on my list versus a blast message? And, and how do you advise on that? Yeah, so anybody that's interested in getting into to SMS and thinking about it at scale, you should become very familiar with something called TCPA compliance. Uh, we don't want people just out there spamming and blasting people. So if you're going to be sending multiple messages to uh, to people, those people need to have opted in to receiving messages from you for that from on their phone number. Uh, so you'll notice a lot of nonprofits these days on their website where you might have an email letter sign up. A lot of people have a mobile number sign up as well. So if people have signed up to receive information about your environmental education campaign, that's great. They've come into your database and they've opted in. You want to send a, a text to all of your folks who've, who've opted into that, that's great. Um, you, can, you can do that with Twilio and you can do that and that will that will be meet the compliance, um, but you can't just blast people who have not specifically opted in for your communications. So here's a nuance to that. Let's say I've got a uh, hundred donors, and and part of the donation form was in fact uh, a mobile number, and I want to go on to you know Twilio Flex, one of your tools that allows for one-to-one -one messaging. Can I send them one message saying, "Hey, it's the organization checking in. You gave last year. Uh, we did amazing things. Reply if you want to hear more." Is that allowed? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and best practice, right? Make sure that you announce who you are, especially if they haven't seen anything from that, that phone number before. Um, let them know exactly, the, with the default in, in Twilio, if somebody re replies stop, uh, it's gonna say, okay, that, that person doesn't want to hear from you. But make sure that the person knows if they don't want to receive communication from you, what they can do to stop receiving communications with you as well. So that's a super important point that I actually learned uh, this year because I thought it was, you know, uh, totally against the, you said TCPA? Yes. TCPA, by the way, don't worry, everybody, taking feverish notes, as I know our audience always does. Uh, we'll have show notes. There will be a long list of links. But I didn't realize what a great tactic just right now, end of year, doing a quick re-engagement piece saying, hey, we're going to go after our top 10 donors and just say, we're here. We did amazing work with your money last year. You haven't given again. Here's the link. That is that is excellent. And George, another thing people are doing, which they're seeing is, is great, is also just doing the thank you. Right? Hey, mm, thank yeah. you so much for your donation. This means a ton. You can send that. It can be you know from your executive director. You can have a a link potentially uh, that goes to an audio file from one of your beneficiaries talking about what they've been able to do, uh, a lot of different ways to really even further personalize that. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, before we move to the rapid fire round, as we're, we're getting toward our end here, uh, is there any other big, exciting pieces that, that you're, you know, really uh, jazzed about that are coming up? Yeah, what, Twilio recently announced a, a new product called Twilio Flex. And it's a combination of all the different Twilio APIs. Uh, but essentially, if you think about an, an instantly deployable contact center, 
So with Twilio, with our APIs in the past, you could you go into Twilio and you can get a phone number, a whole pool of phone numbers, and then you can set those phone numbers up to receive texts or voice calls or send texts and voice calls. With Twilio Flex, it's kind of this, uh, it's a full package. So you can create a contact center on the fly and immediately start receiving calls or texts or other channels like Facebook Messenger, but send and receive communications and divide those out across your workforce. So the, the use case that I'm thinking of that's gonna be really interesting to see how nonprofits respond to, you know all the organizations that have hotlines uh, or your legal aids, right? Uh, imagine just being able to take information from people who are seeking help on whatever channel they're most comfortable with, having that come in, and whether you need, and you could, and then have skills-based routing, right? So if somebody's interested coming in for legal aid and they need to talk to somebody uh, with a certain legal, maybe it's somebody legal on immigration or maybe it's uh, somebody on legal um, uh, LGBT issues, that you could get that routed, including potentially to volunteers you might have within your organization as well. Um, so it's it's really cool. We're we're doing uh, we're doing additional support for nonprofits that are looking to adopt this. Uh, we're calling it Flex for Good, which means uh, even uh, more affordable pricing and more technical resources specifically to help organizations adopt this. Because I, th I think it could be pretty game changing for nonprofits, not just the large nonprofits that might already have contact centers. Um, but some small and mid-sized organizations that didn't have the resources to deploy a contact center previously. Yeah, I, it is uh, it is pretty amazing uh, the the tool and the flexibility there for the right organization. All right, so Megan, in, in our additional moments here, you were just explaining to me uh, how you got started, and it actually involved chasing down technology, then chasing down the entire platform, and then shaking them awake to the fact that they needed a real program to work with nonprofits. Can you quickly tell us that story? Uh, yeah, so I was, I was at a nonprofit, and I was trying to find the right database for what we needed. Couldn't find it. Went to a small startup at the time, asked if they would donate licenses. They weren't sure why a nonprofit would need licenses from a company called salesforce.com. Uh, got the licenses, and I went to their Dreamforce conference in 2004 uh, to understand what their foundation was doing. And their foundation was doing a lot of work with youth at the time. And I asked Steve Wright, I said, uh, why aren't you guys helping nonprofits use your use Salesforce more effectively? And they said, that's a, that's a very good idea. We should hire somebody to actually look after a nonprofit program uh, so we could do that. And that's when I went over to Salesforce Foundation in 2005 to 2010 and helped helped build out that program, trying to get nonprofits to uh, use databases more effectively. So if you have a Salesforce free seat for a nonprofit, you've got at least in good part Megan to thank for chasing this down and making them pay attention to this market. <laughs> you know what? Officially, thank you, Megan. That's awesome. <laughs> Me and a lot of other people. Sure. But I think it's just highlights is an, is an important part. So if you're at an organization, getting back to it, right? If you're at a company that simply is like, we're just going to donate money, and by the way, our product, you know, only changes the world for profits and this type of thing, and we're just going to ignore the segment. Actually thinking intentionally about it 
can do far more good than your dollars if you have the right product. Absolutely. And I think for, for nonprofits too, going to organ, going to companies that have the right technology and pitching them on, on entering an intentional partnership, helping to show how their technology can have great social impact, that's massively valuable for pretty much every company out there. We are moving into rapid fire. Please keep your responses short, Megan, and do your very best. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year that has really helped things? Ooh, Airtable. What are the tech dragons that you need to slay in the coming year? Getting the intelligence out of the conversations. Talk about a mistake you made earlier in your career that now shapes the way you do things. <laughs> There's too many. Uh, there really are so many to choose from. Can we go back to that one? <laughs> Put a pin in it. <laughs> do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business? Yes, they should. What is something you or your organization should stop doing? One thing we need to do is ensure that we make our technology and our experts available to a broad, a broad set of organizations. Um, but we can't necessarily pick the organizations that are going to be the ones to most succeed. We, we need to allow those organizations to identify the right use cases and the right uses that work from their side. It really needs to be community-led and driven. Uh, and what we need to do on the Twilio.org side is ensure that we're just empowering and unlocking that. What advice would you give current college grads looking to enter the social impact sector? Do what you're really good at and, and what you love. The social impact sector is so large and varied and every skill set is needed. If you're somebody who's really good with data, fantastic, you can get into data analytics. If you're somebody who's really good on relationships, fantastic, you can be a side of the business development side or the partnership relationships on that side. If you're good with messaging and communications, that's needed ubiquitously across the board. I think the, the important thing is to focus on the skills that you actually enjoy and what you like doing, and then targeting those organizations where you've got passion alignment. Um, and don't sacrifice. Don't, uh, don't try to do a trade-off between your own professional growth for an organization. Uh, make sure there's alignment on where the organization is going and where you want to go. How did you get your start in the social impact sector? My van broke down in San Francisco. If you had a hot tub time machine and could go back in time to when your van broke down in San Francisco, what would you tell yourself? You have the power to influence a lot of a lot of things in the world, uh, and don't don't be shy to try. Talk about a mistake that you made <laughs> early in your career that now shapes the way you do things. My van broke down. Um, so earlier in my career, uh, I I was working at a nonprofit. We really desperately needed a, uh, a database that we could have our donors and partners in. And um, I was new to nonprofit. I wasn't familiar with the scene. And I was the accidental techie, so I was making the decision on the database. 
and I ended up going with a database that um, was marketed and sold very well to nonprofits, uh, but it actually didn't meet the unique needs we had. I spent a ton of money on it, um, a, t a ton of time, and it, it wasn't the right decision. I later went out and found a technology that was not marketed or positioned or sold for organizations looking to do what I wanted to do, but it was the right thing. Um, and I was able to convince that company to, to donate licenses to our organization. Um, and I just, I wish, I wish I had done that a year earlier. <laughs> um, I wish I hadn't done the easy thing uh, and followed all the slick marketing. I wish I'd, I'd gone a level deeper and saved myself a year. If you had a Harry Potter style wand that you could wave across the industry to change one thing, what would it do? Increase collaboration. All right, and now the really tough question, Megan. How do people find you? How do people help you? Oh, find me on LinkedIn, um, Megan Nesbitt on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Megan Nesbitt. I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, and people can just hit me up on my email, but uh, mnesbitt at twilio.com. Well, thank you so much for, for surviving our, our rapid fire and ideation rounds. I think this was helpful. Thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you for your work at Twilio.org. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at wholewhale. And thanks for joining us. Music, as always, by gregthomasmusic.org. He's awesome. His music is great. Use it for your things, your stuff, and your items. <laughs>